Welcome back to Well That's Interesting, the I'm really thankful for this body part edition. <laughs> it's Thanksgiving here in the States, so you know what that means. Episode 113, let's talk about our tongues. Now, I, uh, I did not coordinate clearly this episode falling on Thanksgiving, but you know what? It works. Between all the eating and the yelling that takes place on a day like this, this totally, totally works. So it's just you and me today, kiddo. So buckle the fuck up for real, especially in the second half of the show, because it's a bit much. <laughs> we'll have a brand new guest next week, and I am so damn excited to release that episode. And I am so damn excited about today's episode. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the flock. Today, my friends, is a genuinely interesting day. You will definitely find yourself using that word to describe the two stories we have lined up, but you'll be using them for different reasons, trust me. In the first half of the show, we'll cover some theories that attempt, that attempt to answer the question, why do we stick out our tongues when concentrating? We've all done this. I mean, from children to adults, when focusing on a task that requires fine motor skills and the use of our hands, why the fuck does our mouth and tongue move along with us? Yeah, believe it or not, there have been a number of studies on this subject, and we're going to talk about the most recent. Then after the break, we are shifting gears and diving head-fucking-first into a classic WTI mode. And of course, that means a medical case that's equal parts fascinating uh, and uncomfortable. <laughs> but don't worry, it ends well. We'll be talking about Black Hairy Tongue Syndrome. Yeah, let that... Let that sink in. Black hairy tongue syndrome. And uh, it is what it sounds like. Kind of. A little bit. Well, before we get into that, we, we need to start with something much, much different. Let's begin with one of the many mysteries of the universe, which live science contributor Donovan Coffey asked so well. Quote, The protruded tongue is often proof of a child's ultimate concentration. For example, when a youngster is learning to write letters or an infant is trying to mimic their parents. But it's not just kids. Even adults stick out or press their tongues to the roofs of their mouths, especially during difficult tasks. So what is it about deep thinking that causes us to engage, clamp, and even stick out our tongues? End quote. Well, to help answer this question, we need to just travel back in time a few million years to 2019. We are with Gillian Forrester, a professor of comparative cognition and deputy dean of the science, ooh, sorry, she's the deputy dean of the School of Science at Birkbeck University of London. Birkbeck? Birkbeck, nailed it. <laughs> it was that year she and her team published the latest discoveries into the mouth, hand, and mind connection. <clears throat> they had a hankering that tool use and language share cognitive processes in areas of the brain and that, they're, and that they're not completely separated. So they did what anyone else would do to test a theory like this. They rounded up 32 right-handed native Swedish speakers, of course, as one does, and then they rounded up 25 four-year-olds. Clearly. <laughs> now, to measure their ability to use tools, the team came up with a little game. Quote, we measured participants' ability to use a tool while playing pegboard games. 
Participants were instructed to correctly grasp and place as many pegs as quickly as possible by using a 30 centimeter long mechanical pinch with their right hand. Easy and intermediate levels differed for the size of the circular pegs employed, and in the difficult level, pegs were grooved, requiring an additional rotational component in the grasp and place action, end quote. And all of that came from Forrester's study, uh, a study called Language as a Tool, Motor Proficiency Using a Tool Predicts Individual Linguistic Abilities. So here's what they did for the old language section of the experiment. From that same study, quote, we assessed participants' linguistic motor skills via sentence repetition task. Uh, in sum, they read a bunch. <laughs> They read a bunch. Continuing the quote, the task requires the, oh, the task, say, I failed. <laughs> I just failed that. <laughs> All right, let's try that again. The task requires to semantically and syntactically process three or four words and produce a correct sentence. All right, I did it. I did it. End quote. Now, think about it. That must have been one hell of a day with 25 four-year-olds, but... <laughs> The work was done, my friends. Skills were compared and contrasted, and before we get into the results, okay, everyone, let's take a moment, please. It's imagination time, all right, are you ready? Okay, picture your left eyebrow. You can also picture someone else's left eyebrow. You can picture anyone's left eyebrow. <laughs> because behind that eyebrow is the inferior fronter I can do this. Inferior frontal gyrus. Let's say it together. Inferior frontal gyrus. Or it's the very bottom of your prefrontal cortex. Okay? End scene. Great job. You did wonderful. Okay, now we are ready for those results. Okay? Drum roll, please. Quote, neuroimaging reveals that the region of the brain devoted to language, located in the inferior frontal, gy frontal gyrus, is highly overlapping with neural networks devoted to dexterity and tool use, end quote, as reported by Donovan Coffey. So my friends, would you have a look at that? Our hands and mouths practically share parts of the brain. Their proximity may cause something called motor overflow. Now, if you're wondering what the hell motor overflow is, well, don't worry, don't worry, I got you. From Live Science, quote, Motor overflow suggests that neurons firing in the dexterity region are so activated that they overflow into neighboring neural tissue, which happens to direct the mouth. Therefore, when you're deeply focused on a fine motor task, the effect spills over into the language region, causing you to engage your mouth and tongue. Quote, this idea is likely part of what's happening. The hands and the tongue are the only fine articulators on our body and are controlled by overlapping bits of our brain in the left hemisphere, Forrester told Life Science. So, interesting. If sharing cognitive processes may be part of the story, this leads us to another question. Why and how did this all happen? Well, prior to Forrester's study in 2019, researchers had always suspected there's a close connection between linguistics and tool use, thanks to evolution. In terms of which came first, the chicken or the egg, the tool use or language, quote, the human ability to use tools has been advocated as a fundamental step towards the emergence of linguistic processes in the brain, end quote, from her study. So in sum, 
we learned how to make and use physical tools first, and this eventually led to language, which is a tool in itself. The multi-talented Gillian Forrester also studies apes in her spare time, so <laughs> why not? And it turns out apes use a series of arms and hand gestures to communicate, and it's theorized early humans also communicated predominantly with their hands until we started to use tools. With literally both hands full, we had to use another signal. Our mouths and, of course, our tongues helped out, eventually becoming the dominant means for communication. But the areas of the brain used, you know, for tools pretty much remain the same. So, quote, that's likely why you see so much gesturing going on when we speak and why vision is our primary sensory tool, Forrester told Life Science. Now, this is a theory, of course, and luckily Forrester loves child labor. I'm kidding. I mean, she's, she, she likes using four-year-olds as volunteers for adorable studies. So, back in Yield 2015, a study was performed that helped supported that helped support, excuse me, this mouth, brain, and hand connection even further. As reported by Donovan Coffey, quote, Forrester's 2015 study found that four-year-olds' mouths shadowed their hands. Difficult motor actions elicited significantly more tongue protrusions. During fine motor actions, children were significantly more likely to stick out their tongue and hold it to the right side of their mouth. The group hypothesized that this was because precision tasks were frequently done with the dominant right hand, which is controlled by the left hemisphere. It's possible that these sequences are processed in the same way and in the same region speaking is. So the mouth might get involved mimicking the shapes and movements of the hand, researchers suggested. End quote. So there you have it, folks. From the mouth of babes comes the truth, or a pretty good theory at least. <laughs> So we can now stay awake at night thinking about the billions of other questions that plague us. This one we can put to bed. Um, oh, speaking of things that haunt our nights and keep us awake, um, after the break, <laughs> we're going to talk about black hairy tongue syndrome. Yeah. Again, black hairy tongue syndrome. How many times can I say it? Black hairy tongue syndrome. Okay. Last point. Last time. For now. <laughs> Stay tuned. Hey, creepy people. This is PNW Haunts and Homicides. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Cassie. Together, we explore stories of the paranormal and true crime throughout the Pacific Northwest. For each episode, we do a tarot reading to help us gain some insight on the topic as we share the facts of the case and our interpretations. You can find our episodes featuring true stories from infamous cases such as the misdeeds of Boeing, as well as lesser known true crime cases like the murders in Tunnel 13 as well as our spooky stories from Pike Place and Raven's Manor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you'd like to listen. Have, Have a, a creepy-ass creepy day. And we're back. We are so back. And my friends, we're starting off with the good news. We're heading on over to Kerala, India. And for my fellow geographically challenged Americans, don't worry, I've got you. Uh, just imagine India. <laughs> Point to the very southern tip and voila, here we are at the painfully gorgeous state of Kerala. The area is 370-ish miles long and runs down the coastline of the Arabian Sea. 
It's known for its tropical beaches, palm trees, canals. Honestly, the best way I could describe it is a cross between Indonesia, India, and just plain old gorgeous. Uh, since my words really can't do it justice, I'll have a few photos on our social media stuff uh, for y'all to come by and take a look at. Uh, just please just take a look or just Google it right now to stop everything you're doing. If you're taking care of a child, just leave them alone. Just uh, if you're driving, take your hands off the wheel and Google Kerala, India. Instead of roads, there are rivers and along the riverbanks, there's like this lush greenery and like, like I said, palm trees and there's houseboats, like fucking houseboats. God damn it. Anyway, unfortunately, that's where all the pretty pictures end for today. We may be in Kerala, but we're also in an undisclosed dermatology department earlier this year. Puravor Yasuri, nailed it, MD, is attending to a 50-year-old male patient after being brought in by his caregivers. Now, I have a photo of why um, they brought him in, because it's kind of alarming, and I am so sorry in advance if you swipe past the Kerala India photos and you land on the tongue photo without warning, so total trigger warning here. Uh, it will be one of the most disturbing things you'll see today other than watching how people eat. Uh, so if you're on our Twitter or Instagram, there will be a photo of a man's tongue. And on his tongue, well, what can I say? Just imagine uh, licking tar and then licking a black cat and then licking an orange cat. <laughs> That's kind of what it looks like. Um, so if you look, I'm sorry in advance. If you don't look and you just listen, I'm also sorry in advance. You'll probably, you're probably wondering what the fuck is going on here. Well, let's backtrack just a little bit. Around January sometime, this man suffered a stroke, which left him with weakness on the left side of his body. It was enough to warrant caregivers and affected his diet. Quote, he was being fed a diet of pureed food and liquids from the study, uh, a study aptly named Black Hairy Tongue Syndrome, published in the March issue of JAMA Dermatology. Uh, put a pin in that diet, by the way. And as the title noted, yes, this man was diagnosed with Black Hairy Tongue Syndrome. And thankfully, I do have some more good news. Uh, it's not life-threatening, nor is it contagious, and it does not spread to other areas of the body. So what is it exactly, and how does it form? From the Mayo Clinic, quote, Black hairy tongue is a temporary, harmless oral condition that gives the tongue a dark, furry appearance. The distinct look usually results from a buildup of dead skin cells on the many tiny papillae on the surface of the tongue that contain taste buds. These papillae are now longer than normal and can easily trap and be stained by bacteria, yeast, tobacco, food, and other substances. End quote. So, my friends, it's not hair, per se, but a buildup of dead cells which accumulate things like food. Now remember, this poor guy could only be fed pureed meals, so with every meal, his tongue got a new coating. And with the combination of weakness in his limbs, that probably affected his ability to brush his teeth and affected his oral hygiene. Eating a strictly soft diet, too, doesn't help remove dead cells off the tongue, either. So. His caregivers noticed a change in appearance about two weeks prior to getting him to the doctor, so this is a hell of a lot of buildup in a short amount of time. Just two weeks. So, thankfully, mucus scrapings from his mouth showed normal bacteria flora, uh, so this was a case that could easily be resolved 
by good old-fashioned cleaning and proper brushing. And I'm happy to report that all was back to normal in about 20 days. So that's great, I guess. <laughs> Just short-term trauma. And, you know, it's also great, our little buddy, the tongue. And I thought, what better way to end a Thanksgiving episode than reading off some incredible facts about it, as provided by one of our corporate overlords, Colgate. All right, now I want you to think about this while chewing, okay? Quote, the average tongue is four inches long. Your anterior tongue, or the front portion, is about two-thirds of its total length. The posterior tongue sits near the back of your throat and makes up the other third. Your tongue has eight muscles. Intrinsic muscles allow you to change its shape, and extrinsic, extrinsic muscles are attached to the bone and enable you to change your tongue's position. You could have anywhere between 2,000 to upwards of 10,000 taste buds on your tongue, and each of those taste buds have about 50 to 150 receptor cells, and they are great at regenerating. Cells replace themselves every one to two weeks. It's a good upgrade every two weeks. Uh, the tip of the tongue is the most sensitive part of your body, offering two benefits. First, it gives your tongue a magnifying effect, making things feel uh, larger than they are, helping you notice any unwanted items in your food. <laughs> like, their examples are a fishbone, a piece of dirt, or hair. <laughs> God. <clears throat> After you swallow food, your tongue is better able to search the entire mouth for the remaining portions of the chewed pieces, or as I like to call it, nature's toothbrush. Uh, and finally, according to an article published in the European Journal of Dentistry, the prevalence of bad breath, or halitosis, if you want to get technical. So the prevalence of halitosis in the U.S. general population is about 50%. We suck. <laughs> you can add that to the list. Half of us have bad breath. Uh, the most common causes of the... Uh, sorry. The most common causes of these less than pleasant odors are eating certain foods, drinking alcohol, smoking habits, and poor dental hygiene. Be sure you don't forget to brush your tongue when you brush at least twice a day, end quote. So some good advice there for us Americans. Please take care of your friend. Uh, you need it, especially when telling your racist uncle to shut the fuck up at the dinner table. And honestly, I am so damn thankful for the flock. Thank you so much for joining me today and for rating, subscribing, graphically detailing black hairy tongue syndrome to your family members. Just, just tell them, like, especially when it gets quiet. That's the perfect time just to bring it up. Ah, you're amazing. And please, stay interesting.